so by, by the year 2000 when i was 18 years old that was my last year as a junior and that's when i broke the national record and i became wow. india number 1 in the year 2000 in 200 meter breaststroke so that was my entry into the in the big league uh playing with the big boys from right. there on yeah obviously didn't go down too well because you had a junior like i was a kid back then mm. uh broke the all india national record so i raised a few eyebrows and obviously like i said didn't go too to well yeah. but from there on it was uh, it was good so year 2000 was really my uh, you know my year say it's dedication not dollars so because nowadays it's become a trend people approach you on instagram or various social media networks and they want to be coached or want some sort of uh, guidance right but i don't know if they really have the dedication to do so mm. to kind of follow through on uh, uh, the training right. so number one what i look for is dedication just put in the hours just show up for practice or show up for your for your workout every day and put in a little bit of effort into it mm. so i think that's number one what i look for in athletes that i coach i am baiki venki and this is the working athlete podcast Here I talk to working athletes from all walks of life and experts from various sports to provide you with inspiration, training tips, time management and lifestyle advice. If this is something that interests you, please make sure you subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss any future episodes. Today's guest, Vinay Basavaraj, was a national record holder at 200 meter breaststroke and represented India in swimming at South Asian Games. He was an Olympic hopeful who came close to making the cut before retiring from the sport. After years of gap, he came back to sport with triathlon. He not only pursues the sport with utmost passion but also became an Ironman certified coach guiding other amateurs to get better at it. In this episode, we talk about his journey in sport as an athlete and as a coach. We talk about his recent 70.3 Dubai as well as the differences and similarities of practicing sport as a pro versus as an amateur among other things. Now, let us get into my conversation with Vinay. All right, welcome to the Working Athlete podcast Vinay. It's a pleasure having you on the show. Likewise, thank you Venki. Excellent. So, uh Vinay, uh, let's start by talking about uh, <clears throat> what is work for you right now okay so i i work uh, with a fintech company it's a startup called capital float so i manage uh, capital markets in the company completely tangential to triathlon or sports and everything <laughs> we are we are into uh, uh, consumer finance right yeah. right excellent that's that's your jo- day job yes so but um how what was his, your intro to sports uh, how how is uh, is it something that you started in childhood or how is yes. that yes so in fact uh, i started really young mm. uh, i mean it's hard to believe but uh, at the age i mean it all started in first standard actually mm. uh, uh in fact i was uh, one of the hyperactive kids in school so the teacher in fact 
recommended to my parents that I should join some sort of activity, some sort of sport. And back then in the school, they had a judo class. This was in first standard, just to sort of vent my excess energy. So started training at in first standard. So I was probably like five or six years old back then. So that's my introduction to sports. Right. Yeah. And then with judo. Yes. And then how? how so what happened was, uh, this was in Sophia High School. Mm. So boys were there till the third standard. So first to third, I practiced judo as part of the uh, school program. Uh, then I left, went to St. Joseph's. For about a year, I think I tried and dabbled in multiple sports. I pretty much tried every sport in the book. Mm. Uh, of course, cricket was number one. Basketball, tennis, badminton, uh, running, athletics. Right. And I sucked at everything. <laughs> uh, I think I was probably the worst kid in that particular group. And every coach told me, uh, you know, I think it's better you just stay at home. Uh, you know, don't waste your parents' money. Uh, but of course, I still had this issue of uh, being hyperactive. Mm. So, of course, my parents were still looking out for, for me to do something. Right. And I think as a last resort, uh, I tried swimming. Uh, there was a pool. There is a pool uh, near my house. Mm. And we used to stay in Wiley Kaval back then. So, Sadashiv Nagar had an Olympic-sized pool. So, my parents took me there as a last resort. They said, okay, let's just give us one last shot. And I kid you not... Uh, I saw the water and I just felt so much at home. And that's when I started swimming competitively. I mean, I started learning to swim. Mm. And then I just pretty much took to swimming like a fish to water. Right. And from there on, I just continued swimming. Excellent. So when was this? When was the start of So swimming? this was uh, sometime in my fifth standard. So maybe I was like 10 years old. Wow. Uh, actually, for competitive swimming, it, it was pretty late. Mm. Because a lot of my peers at that time are already at a state or a national level. Okay. And I was starting to learn to swim. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of late. But like I said, you know, it just clicked. I just felt good in the water. And, uh, you know, from there on, I started uh, swimming competitively. Okay. So how, how, um, how far did this competitive swimming go? Um, well, I like to think it didn't go as far as I'd like to. Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, because uh, we didn't see your name in all of this. Yeah. Do you mean that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so actually, so I joined uh, competitive swimming in the age of 10. Mm -hmm. uh, that was sometime in 92. And uh, by 1996, I, I did my first junior national. Okay. Uh, that was my first selection for junior national. And I happened to get a gold medal at junior nationals in Delhi in 96. Wow. So... Yeah, that by was, that time you were fourteen. Yeah. Okay. So I was a junior, um, got the gold medal, and then of course I became a senior. And then by the year two thousand, how were these age groups, senior and junior? Uh, to be honest, uh, they're quite, uh, you know, the, it's a lot of gray area mm -hmm. because they kind of define the age groups pretty much every five years. But you have the standard usual under eighteen. And then you have 18. After 18, it's pretty much open. Okay. Everyone's in the same group. Mm -hmm. So by by the year 2000, when I was 18 years old, that was my last year as a junior. And that's when I broke the national record. And I became wow. India number one in the year 2000 in 200 meter breaststroke. Wow. Uh, so that was my entry into the, into the big league. 
playing with the big boys from yeah. there on yeah obviously didn't go down too well because you had a junior like i was a kid back then mm. uh broke the all india national record so i raised a few eyebrows and obviously like i said didn't go too do well yeah. but from there on it was uh, it was good so year 2000 was really my uh, you know my year turning point turning point in my swimming career right so from then on you you broke to uh, 200 meters national record. national record yeah um and then from then on how did the swimming uh, so what happened actually is so in the year 2000 uh so i got selected because of my performance i made it to the indian team i was in the indian team from 96 actually mm-hmm. uh as a junior mm-hmm. uh from 2000 onwards i i got selected for the 2001 uh, south asian federation games mm-hmm. uh, they call it saf games mm-hmm. um and 2001 unfortunately 2001 and 2 were really bad years mm. because as you know 911 happened mm. and saf games was in islamabad uh-huh. so obvious reasons that was that got cancelled right and all international events were cancelled 2001 2002 uh so i was in the uh, olympic hopefuls for the 2004 athens olympics mm-hmm. um so that's what i was training for okay and uh, uh to so the olympic uh, so how did that how does that uh, work so what happens is of course there's a clear cut timing re- requirement mm. that needs to be met but people who are kind of close to that timing um you know they take take them into a particular group mm. and the so you, asian games was also in 2002 which did not happen so we were made into a indian team mm. and then you train and then hopefully you make the cut right so back then my the closest i was in 2000 was i was 3 seconds away wow yeah mm. uh, in a 100 meter race it's quite a lot yes uh, so yeah, yeah i mean i thought to myself in 2000 i have 4 years mm. and i have 3 seconds to cut mm. so i thought okay it's possible yeah. so those are some of the things that you learn you know you, uh, you're young you're overconfident mm. you're a bit cocky as well mm. uh so i think it's been a huge learning experience i thought yeah it's possible you know 4 years 3 seconds yeah i can mm. do it right but it didn't happen uh, what what was uh, that period like you know working towards that uh working to bridge those 3 uh, seconds oh, it's, it is insane because right. i think compare i mean now that i do triathlon uh, i do a bit of each sport mm. but competitive swimming is i mean we used to swim like 6 7 hours a day uh over that we had strength training a little bit of running you don't have a life uh, you're in the water 6 7 hours you used to be used to swim like 15 kilometers a day yeah. uh that's pretty much like running a marathon every day <laughs> right that's a lot of swimming so yeah. i had no life but no regrets uh yeah. you know i was there to achieve something right but uh, wa- so that kind of uh, uh, you know work you were putting in but then uh, you uh, what were what was the kind of end results you know the uh, how close did you get to that uh i made it to 107 108 was my time i made it 2 seconds mm-hmm. i still had 2 seconds to cut Right. it did not happen mm. so somewhere in 2000 i actually joined the border security force uh, as a professional swimmer mm. uh, i'm sure you're aware that uh, so the armed forces including the army navy air mm. force mm. Uh, in, and the paramilitary bsf comes under paramilitary mm. 
So they run a program where they take in a lot of sportsmen and you're basically a professional swimmer. Your only job is to swim. Right. Uh, so I joined the BSF in 2000 mm -hmm. and I was with the BSF for, uh, for five years mm -hmm. and uh, I quit swimming in 2004 and till the end I was with the B BSF. Okay. So uh, although the amateur events were not happening, we had our own, uh, for the for the BSF, they have their separate set of events. Mm -hmm. So I was busy with that. Okay, okay. So once you quit swimming, yeah, right. So how did uh, <laughs> uh, how how did it uh, proceed from there? Oh, that was a crazy time in my life because as soon as I quit swimming, I felt like I'd missed so much as a teenager because through my teenage, my adolescence. Uh, I was just swimming. Right. I was not allowed to go out anywhere, not allowed to eat fast food or, uh, you know, of course, alcohol was not allowed. Mm. But so the first couple of years was just me trying to catch up on that. I just felt like I missed so much. So I did all of that for a couple of years. And that was, I think, uh, a different phase of my life. Right. But, but uh, you know, by that time, how old were you? So I was uh, 22, 23. Mm, 22, 23. Just, yeah. got, uh, just got out of swimming. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you wanted to live life. <laughs> At least what I thought was life. Yeah. So first couple of years was just me doing that. Yeah. And towards the end, I said, no, nah, I actually, I, I didn't miss out too much. <laughs> <laughs> so you... you uh, uh, tasted everything and so I went inside. partying with my friends I stayed up all night I ate all kinds of food junk yeah. and everything I drank till <laughs> I couldn't drink anymore so right. that's what I did yeah and uh, and it took you two years to realize okay maybe it's yeah. not that yeah that I much. Mean, it's yeah. yeah so I think it was just like you said yeah two years three years max and I was like ah, okay you know it's, <laughs> it's not so great yeah. And that's, in fact, you know, when I started getting, to, getting back into sport, mm -hmm. I felt like, uh, you know, I preferred the previous, that kind of lifestyle better. Mm -hmm. And then initially, like, you know, any, anybody in Bangalore, what we do is, you know, first thing is you sign up for some sort of 10K run right. uh, or a marathon. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing I did. I found a bunch of people who were kind of like-minded. And we started traveling, going to Pondicherry, doing these runs. And that's how I sort of came back. Okay. So when was this? 2007? So this was, yeah, about 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I started doing my own sort of training, mm -hmm. uh, started doing these runs. Okay. Okay. So once you got into sport uh, through running, yeah. so um, you mentioned Pondicherry and all that. So what kind of uh, training were you doing what kind of events were you doing oh see the training know. was completely uh random right. because i was in it just to have fun mm. so we used to meet up every saturday sunday in Cabin park mm. go for one round running then go eat uh, dosa mm. or whatever you know it was just for fun i knew it because i had come from a competitive uh, sports background right so at this time i said you know i just want to have fun so training, I mean, I, I don't even, I don't think it would even classify as training. It would just be a social thing. But you, you were, you were being active. 
physically yeah. and yeah. you're uh, connecting with other people correct and you know socializing and then having fun right yeah, yeah. That, okay that was the main the, the kind of uh, fun that was that did not involve any <laughs> kind of uh, junk eating or drinking or correct. anything that yeah. you went through and said okay enough yeah that was it right so this was fun i said mm. you know this is something very different somewhere in between of course right. we used to get a couple of beers mm. but the main i mean it wasn't an extreme like my swimming background where it would be no nothing of really, that sort really you know yeah. swimming 8 7 8 hours yeah. a day and all that yeah and this was fun you know we used to go for a run mm-hmm. uh, maybe eat some somewhere outside so it was fun yeah good good and then uh, how how did um, did you do any uh, events as in competitive events and stuff correct like i mean there were i mean very casual events like you had uh, in pondicherry they had an event uh, where you don't even get medals mm. you just run for the you know for the fun of it so something like uh, bar bangalore correct. amateur racing or something like yeah. that yeah. <laughs> okay. so you know just for the love of the sport right. and i thought that was cool you know yeah. so we did that and then of course we did a few bangalore marathon events and stuff like that mm. so nothing at all competitive even uh, i didn't even own a garmin watch or any other you know just see the time of the day and run right and depending roughly okay start at 7 o'clock i'm back at 8 so or maybe one hour yeah <laughs> okay so yeah no strava nothing no no nothing <laughs> right just uh, running just for, for fun yeah. yeah okay then uh, what was your first uh, event wherein you uh, train trained i think uh, somewhere around 2012 mm-hmm. uh, there was the first edition of tonur uh, triathlon mm-hmm. of course i knew how to swim i was mm-hmm. running so somebody told me hey you know there's this event uh, it's a triathlon i mean i mean i knew what a triathlon is mm-hmm. so i was like okay you know this sounds pretty cool fun and it's nearby it's near mysore somewhere right so i borrowed a f- uh, friend's bicycle and then i started training uh, again training was completely ad hoc i mm-hmm. said okay i need to swim this much bike this much run this much so i just kept doing that right. so i think that was probably my first e- event so to speak mm-hmm. uh, the tonur uh, triathlon tonur triathlon in 2012 yeah 2012 okay okay so how how was the experience of that tonur uh, tri oh i loved it you know mm-hmm. i felt like i'm back competing uh, in fact i i i finished fourth overall mm-hmm. and i thought hey this is pretty cool you know because there are a whole bunch of kids uh, and you're competing with them and thinking back now i was completely unfit right. because i was still coming from you know just doing nothing mm-hmm. so that was amazing and again swimming in the lake coming out the whole community the racing aspect of it mm-hmm. uh, it was amazing right right so is that where you kind of got hooked to yeah. triathlon then i said okay Yeah. I think I found something really cool. Uh compared to swimming where it's only one sport you do that day in and day out. Mm. So here I had three sports. So I felt like okay this is three times the fun. Mm-hmm. You know. So that from there on I was hooked. All right. So from then on uh, once you got into triathlon and uh, once you found triathlon and loved it. uh so what what were what uh, was the initial years of uh, triathlon journey how how was it like so the initial years were completely uh you know into experimenting the sport hmm. um, of course it's a highly technical sport 
I'm sure you're aware, you know, you have cycling and that itself is such a, a you know, a world of its own. Right. And then you have swimming and running to add on to that. So initial years was just me experimenting. Like I said, I had borrowed a friend's bike. I didn't even know what kind of bike I need to have. So it was just, uh, it was fun actually. Mm -hmm. I really liked that. And, and even till today, you know, I try and tweak it here, tweak it there and you see what happens. And then of course you're meeting people, you're learning and understanding. Uh, so it was fun. The initial years were, I think, a lot of self-discovery, I would mm -hmm. say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how many kind of events uh, as in uh, uh, how many 70.3s? So I've done five Ironman 70.3s. The mm -hmm. latest one was last week in Dubai. Mm -hmm. And uh, Olympic, I mean, I haven't counted, but mm -hmm. maybe like close to 10. Mm -hmm. And uh, a whole bunch of other sprint triathlons, which is probably half of Olympic distance. Right. So, yeah. And not no full yet? Uh, no. I'm, yeah. I'm at a place where I'm enjoying this. Yeah. Um, and coming from a background where I used to sprint for two minutes yeah. uh, or one minute. Right. And doing this for five hours itself, I feel, is like a huge leap um, from here going to a 10 or 12 hour race i just i'm happy right now <laughs> right no that is important right we have to find what you know what uh, what is our happy space and yeah. kind of try to hone ourselves make ourselves better in yeah. that space right yeah so i mean that's my goal i mean i've mm. been improving my time every mm. year has been an improvement mm. uh, with this year being the best so far Mm -hmm. uh, I finished top 10 amongst all Indian athletes in, in Dubai. Mm -hmm. So pretty stoked. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks. So uh, let's talk about uh, your recent race in, you know, the Dubai uh, half Ironman uh, that you completed for last week. Yeah. Right? So how, how was the experience there? So I think in terms of my training, it was a huge leap from my previous race, which was Ironman Dubai, mm. uh, sorry, Oman. Mm. Uh, I think I've got, training-wise, it was much more scientific. Uh, of course, I mean, I personally have undergone the Ironman coaches certification. Mm. So compared to my first Ironman, I felt like this time the training was far more scientific. Mm. Uh, my hydration and nutrition could have been better. Again, you learn so much every race. Mm. Uh, and apart from that, I think the the course itself was extremely fast. Mm. It's one of the fastest courses on the Ironman calendar. Right. And uh, so I think it was it was a good experience. Right. What uh, what time did you manage? There? Five hours and 24 minutes. Excellent. Excellent. 524, right? So you mentioned uh, your hydration and nutrition could have been better. So what, what are the learnings there? So what, there? Uh, so until now, I used to depend kind of heavily on the organizer itself mm -hmm. because most of these events are ex extremely well organized. Uh, you know, you, you practically don't have to carry anything of your own. They have aid stations that are well stocked. So this time what happened was, you know, there was no water. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ran out of water on the on the bike course, oh. and this was in the initial one hour itself. Wow! Yeah, uh, I I'm sure it's some glitch mm -hmm. with something. Mm. So I pretty much biked for ninety k without any water. Wow! Uh, and it's it's a hot place. Mm. Dubai. Yeah, Dubai <laughs> <laughs> of all places. So what happened was, you know, I didn't want to 
sort of uh, compromise on my performance. So yeah. I kept to my time goal. Yeah. I wanted to come back within three hours. I did it in 248. Mm. Uh, I knew I'm going to suffer on the run. Mm. So once I came back, I started cramping big time. So I knew it, it's just going to be a problem. So it kind of, so the run could have been better. So the learning, I guess, would be, you know, to carry your own nutrition. So of course, there's a weight disadvantage to doing that. Right. So you kind of yeah. trade off. Yeah, that that is important, right? Lot of uh, uh, lot of events you can get away with uh, uh, relying on the nutrition provided there, but sometimes yeah. uh, you you get caught up like this. I guess. Yeah. I mean, this is the first time. I mean, mm. the last four, fantastic. You right. know, you don't need to carry anything. Switch off. Just focus on your race. Mm. But I think the. I mean, to be honest, to give them some credit, I guess it was some sort of glitch. Right. So, but uh, once you started cramping on the run, it, yeah. it is not 5K or 10K, it's 21K. Right? Yeah. So, how did you <laughs> manage? Um, what happened was, you know, the, in fact, I, it felt like a dream because 2K in, I was running really well. Uh, my hamstrings just locked up. Hmm. And I don't know who that person was, but literally like a guardian angel, somebody in... Uh, gave me a little bit of uh, electrolyte concentrate. Mm. Uh, I had the sense of mind to obviously look at what she was giving me. I just had a sip of it, and then about 15 minutes later, I was fine. Right. Uh, my cramped, e uh, my cramping eased off, mm. and then I was able to get back on it. All right, all right, excellent. So, of all these four or five um, Ironman events that you have done, uh, what is the most memorable uh, event that uh, you would consider? I think my first one was most memorable for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. One is uh, because it was in probably the most beautiful place I've ever cycled in Mallorca, mm -hmm. which I understand, which after I came back, I, somebody told me that it's in the number one or number two in the world where yeah. cyclists go. One is Girona in Italy and number two is Mallorca. Mallorca yeah. So all the pro teams before the Tour de France go there. Correct. It was like a dream mm. to cycle there. Beautiful place. Of course... Wherever there's beauty, there are hills and mountains. So to date, it's my highest climb. Right. Um, so I think Mallorca was probably the best experience. Right. Beautiful place. Yeah. So um, another thing that you, you know, apart from you taking on uh, the triathlon and uh, competing, right? You have been uh, guiding a few uh, coaching. Now yeah. you are certified uh, Ironman coach yeah. and you started coaching uh, triathletes uh, in this journey, right? So what are the things that you look uh, to guide these athletes on? So when I first, when somebody approaches me mm. uh, to be coached, uh, the first thing that I tell them is, you know, I'm looking for dedication. Uh, not necessarily uh, dollars. Right. Like I say, it's dedication, not dollars. So, because nowadays it's become a trend. People approach you on Instagram or various social media networks and they want to be coached or want some sort of uh, guidance. Right. But I don't know if they really have the dedication to do so, hmm. to kind of follow through on uh, uh, the training. Right. So, number one, what I look for is dedication uh, just put in the hours just show up for practice or show up for your for your workout every day and put in a little bit of effort into it mm. so i think that's number one what i look for in athletes that i coach 
right right so um, you know what you i think in dubai uh, you had a uh, you r- rode along with uh one of your trainees yeah. right who no in uh, fact we were six of us six of you yeah so five other yeah, people i'm coaching excellent excellent yeah it was a big team yeah <laughs> super so how how was that uh, experience oh know? it was great first yeah. of all you know just traveling together uh reminded me of my old swimming days when we used to all uh, the entire state or national team would travel together right. so that was fun mm. uh hitherto you know i used to pretty much go alone with of course my wife would accompany me mm. but this time it was a big gang we felt good uh, a lot of them were uh, first timers mm. so in fact uh, one of my trainees who was staying with hemant it was his first time mm. so it was it was fun you know because yeah. i could see myself what i was 5 years ago just trying to uh allay any concerns that they had a lot of fears that they had right so it was fun it was nice excellent so uh did all of them oh yeah everyone everyone completed the race right uh some of them even bettered their previous time so all around i think it was a successful trip awesome 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 so what are uh, some of the things that uh, you tell uh, aspiring triathletes that uh, they need to look at so apart from what i already mentioned you know mm. dedication i think coming down to a more practical level i would say triathlon is an expensive sport mm. uh, because obviously you have three sports right uh, and so i would say first of all try and introspect see if you have the resources in mm. terms of time and money mm. uh because there's no point uh, sort of uh uh being halfway sort of half assing it right, right? Yeah. so be honest to yourself see whether you can afford the sport and both in time and money because mm. again you know i'm everybody has something to do they have some job or something so mm. you need to set aside some time Uh, which eats into your family time right or your work time so i would say that's number one mm. apart from you know being dedicated right so but you ha- you have seen uh, you have been a pro at the top level in competitive swimming right and now you you uh, are the other, at the other end where is as an amateur yeah. just for the love of the sport you are doing pursuing the sport uh, uh and then you also are working right so what are the things that you uh, you see as common in like pro, uh, you know pro sport at pro level yeah. and as at an amateur level i think common is the amount of training that you need to do um because running and cycling is kind of new to me and also the body adapts so i am at a disadvantage over there so i think in the common aspects of both these phases i would say is the training amount of training that we put in at a minimum it's 10 to 12 hours per week mm. uh nowhere near what we used to train as uh, pros mm. but still i think given that like you said now we have a family and you have work which i didn't have back then right so that is still the same yeah yeah and then see uh how do you manage now working right and then the time training and uh, also guiding other people and stuff right how do you i think one major aspect or one major learning from triathlon has been time management mm. uh 
you'll be surprised i'm sure i mean uh, i don't need to tell you but uh, most people uh, would be shocked to know that you know there's so much that you can do by let's say by waking up early uh, and just managing your your day in a in a more uh, pragmatic level right so what you would probably you know you probably get up late so your two hours are gone there or you probably you know stay back at work just to chit chat with your colleagues another two hours are gone there so you cut out all this stuff which is not essential to your life and then you can actually make time right. uh it's not i mean i don't think there's anybody who works probably 20 or 22 hours a day hmm. so everyone's probably doing 8 or 10 12 right. hours still there is a lot of work around of course there's a lot of compromise on your social life for you just need to be a little bit smart but i think you can do it hmm. it's just time management right so uh, what are the uh, things that you miss now with all the uh, you know things that you do uh i think i found a good balance mm-hmm. where i don't really miss anything right. because i somewhere you got to have a reality check in i mean given the age and everything you're not going to be a pro i mean i mean i'm talking about myself right. uh so somewhere you got to draw a line and not go overboard mm. so i do eat what i want to eat i do drink what i want to drink it's just in moderation mm. and I, i just make sure that it sort of fits into my overall plan and goals i kind of reward myself if i have to uh so in that way i feel like i i'm not really missing out on anything yeah it is important to kind of strike that balance yeah Uh, and also uh, talking about uh, you know dreams of becoming pro or whatever see there, there is so much we can uh, do yeah and we have to understand okay and temper that temper our aspirations to those Correct. realities i think right yeah absolutely so uh, yeah great great points there so in terms of uh, you know future goals what, what do you have well i do have the ambition of representing india again uh, so i want to make it to the ironman world championships mm. uh, for that i got to be in the maybe in the top 3 in my age group so right. i think that's a decent goal mm-hmm. yeah so that's my ambition all right so being at the ironman world championships yeah qualifying uh, by becoming top 3 in uh, 70 point career still talking about right yeah. excellent excellent so it's been fantastic conversation so Thank what uh, uh, to kind of wrap the session what are some of the tips that you would give uh, working athletes to do well at sport and life? so tips i would say number one do a self assessment whether this is for you whether you, this is something that really gets you going get get you out of bed uh because that's number one you want to be healthy both body and mind so ask yourself honestly whether you can do it uh number two time management you should be good at time management uh to be uh sort of even kind of decent at the sport uh and then lastly of course like i said it's uh, it's it's an expensive sport mm. uh so if you're going to kind of uh cut corners i would say maybe this is not for you mm. uh try another sport <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but i i i think i kind of uh, missed asking about uh, you know going a little bit deeper into uh the training aspect of it so see 
ట్రైనింగ్ ఐ వుడ్ సే బి సైంటిఫిక్ బి మెథాడికల్ బికాస్ ఐ సీ అ లాట్ ఆఫ్ పీపుల్ డూయింగ్ లైక్ యాడ్ హాక్ స్టఫ్ లైక్ యూనో సడన్లీ దెల్ సైకిల్ ఫోర్ హండ్రెడ్ కిలోమీటర్స్ అండ్ దెన్ నాట్ డూ ఎనీథింగ్ ఫర్ ద నెక్స్ట్ కపుల్ ఆఫ్ వీక్స్ సో ఈవెన్ ఇఫ్ ఇట్స్ అ లిటిల్ బిట్ ఐ వుడ్ సే డూ సంథింగ్ ఎవ్రీ డే వెద్ స్విమ్మింగ్ సైక్లింగ్ రన్నింగ్ అండ్ దిస్ ప్లెంటీ ఆఫ్ కాంటెంట్ ఆఫ్ ద దట్ యూ కెన్ స్టడీ ఫర్ ఫ్రీ అండ్ దెన్ ట్రై అండ్ ఇన్కల్కేటెడ్ ఇన్ యువర్ ప్రోగ్రామ్ so i would say it'll be a little bit more scientific because especially as we grow a little bit older there is of course a health risk also right. by you doing like a random stuff mm. so just be a little bit methodical be a little bit more scientific and of course be realistic about your goals and i think you know you'll have fun doing this excellent excellent so how does your uh, typical uh, say for a 70.3 yeah we'll talk about right so how does your typical training block look like so the training block is in phases of uh, i mean there are mini blocks of 3 mm. weeks mm. Uh, most adults let's say i mean 30 plus uh, would require a 3 week training block so we are 3 weeks of ramp up and then you have one week of sort of easy recovery yeah, recovery easy week mm. an easy week so i typically break it down into 3 weeks and then uh, we have of course a large part typically for an iron man you need at least 24 weeks mm. a majority of the 24 weeks would be very low intensity high volume stuff uh, which you call it base training mm. so which would i would say be somewhere from 16 weeks uh, right. or four months mm. would just be that low intensity stuff okay so say let us kind of try and break it down right so you you said 24 weeks uh and then how much of it is base and then how much i would much say 16 weeks would be the yeah okay so the more uh, the and new then 8 weeks you correct. will build into it correct okay so even if you look at an 80 20 principle mm. i would say a large part of your training should be low intensity especially for people just starting off including myself right. uh and as you sort of progress into the sport that period can come down and you can do more high intensity stuff mm. um because most people i think straight away jump into the deep end start belting it out uh without any sort of base or foundation right so you are uh, 16 weeks of say base building and stuff and yeah. then you ramp it up so then a I would, couple of correct. cycles so then i would start in ramping it up again in mm. uh cycles of 3 weeks yeah. then slowly sl- ramp it up to some threshold work and then you go past that threshold and somewhere around 3 weeks before the race i would say do one week of really high intensity stuff you can do time trials whether it be a 40k bike ride or a 10k run uh, a 2 km swim but really all out where you go max effort race yeah race space yeah and then the last 2 weeks sort of start tapering it off uh you know unlike an exam you can't do anything in the last uh, week which i see a lot of people it, it's not in like an exam uh so the last two weeks you know you can actually break your race but you can't really make anything of it mm-hmm. so try and take it easy and then of course the race day is all mental yeah 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 so the mental aspect of it right so how do you kind of uh, deal with uh, the prospect of suffering uh, you know <laughs> five six seven hours yeah. in in most cases right how do you 
kind of because it is daunting in itself uh, you, you know having raced uh, 100 meters <laughs> and 200 meters yeah. swimming even that becomes a really really intense experience yeah. right so now you are just uh, kind of expanding that time uh, horizon to whatever Correct. seven period seven hours or whatever right or maybe four and a half five for uh, the faster guys yeah so how do you deal with the mental aspects of uh, that so a large part of it can be uh, dealt with through visualization mm. um, so the, in the let's say the last two weeks leading up to the race um, i suggest doing a lot of uh visualization so if you've been to that race venue it is of great help uh so you know the the place how it looks and everything i would say sit down in a quiet room start to visualize yourself going through the process and it could be the most minutest thing like uh walking into the uh you know the transition area keeping your bike once you come out of the swim how you're going to do this how you're going to do that um and uh, knowing what race conditions are going to be like so read up like in in that aspect i think iron man has done a great job because they give you all the details what the temperature is going to be like let's say for example dubai you know it's going to be hot right. so imagine what it would be like uh, at 1:00 in the afternoon mm. when you're running so there're no surprises and it's it's a great tool i mean you'd be surprised to know that you know you can actually uh, visualize something so well as you of course that also is practice yeah as you practice more you sort of can visualize something more realistically mm-hmm. uh, apart from that of course you have to train yeah this is just one aspect of it. right so you you uh, you train physically and then you visualize and uh, you know you go through the race uh, and then you kind of uh, you know hit may, this is like uh during that longer race right uh, swimming uh, uh, cycling and running there are so many things that can go wrong oh, yeah. and will go wrong <laughs> so how do you uh, see to a large extent you can predict some things and be prepared for it so mm-hmm. for example swimming somebody can kick you in the face and your goggles come off so there are ways you can uh be prepared for that right. uh but of course you know you can't be prepared for 100% of the things there'll be something that happens that is so out of the blue that uh, that's where you know the real sportsman comes in mm. and how you adapt on the go right um, that's skill yeah you also kind of imagine what can along with the visualization imagine what all can go wrong and Correct. then say how how am i going to deal with those Correct. right yeah so on the bike you could get a puncher right so you carry all you know your uh, puncher repair kit and yeah. what not your tools yeah i mean even after that something happens which was not uh, imagined then you know it's bad luck like uh, you you ran out of yeah, water there was no water measures, sir. <laughs> so you know the next yeah. time you come prepared you come with your own water right and so you know stuff like that right right excellent excellent yeah th- this has been really uh, helpful and uh, i this has been fantastic conversation Thanks. thank you for uh, joining and sharing your experience thank you it's been an it's been a pleasure actually excellent excellent and i wish you all the best for your future events and uh, all the best for your uh, uh, trainees thank you
Thanks again for your support. See you next week with another guest. Bye.